Good afternoon and welcome back to Growing Together, episode number 16. Today we have a really good friend, Pat Jones, with us. Um, mentor from Luther Bushing, right? Yes. A human resources manager from a nursing home here in town. Yes. Right? How are you doing today, Pat? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have you here. I had uh, the opportunity to work with you uh, on the affirmation of baptism uh, program uh, here in church and just see how was your mentoring with Luther and it was just amazing to, to see you working with him and it just it was good. It was a good experience. It was fun. It was wonderful. It was heartwarming. Uh, we all learned and, and grew through the process and will mm -hmm. continue to do so. Uh, so it was wonderful. Yeah. So, uh, Pat, um, just, uh, I, I'm sure we, we haven't had the time to sit down sometimes and like talk a little bit about like, who is Pat Jones and like <laughs> how people will describe you. Can you help me with that? Sure. I would hope that people would say that I'm a kind, caring and generous person. Mm -hmm. That's what I try to be. Mm -hmm. I try to be a good listener mm -hmm. for those around me. Uh, Many people often come to me and say, can I talk to you? And I, I am honored that they do that because that means they put a lot of trust in you. Mm -hmm. And so I, I try to be that. During my, my first professional career as an educator, um, I've, I've always been in the people business. Okay. And that's, that's a blessing. And I've tried to make it my mission to help the people around me be the very best they can be. Okay. Provide whatever they need uh, to help them grow and become the very best they can be. And that's been my goal. I was a classroom teacher for 16 years. I was a principal and superintendent for 17 years. So 33 years as an educator. Mm -hmm. And then I was a sports official for 33 years as well. And so in, in all that, you're dealing with all kinds of people, young, old, friendly, not mm -hmm. friendly, uh, <laughs> yeah. and all points in between. Yeah. So in whatever the setting was, my goal was always to provide the circumstances and the situation for those around me to really become the best they can be. Okay. And that's what I hope people would, would say about me. Yeah, well, for sure, like I, I have seen you here around church and I, I have actually a, a, a question for you. So I remember the first time that I stepped in this church, I saw you uh, up in the uh, sanctuary and you were dressing uh, uh, this like the white, like long, um, called like the pastor thing. I. I do you have anything like a background on like um, to be a pastor or something like that, like a deacon or something like that? Well, I, I was wearing that robe uh, in the assisting minister role, oh. and we did that. I have uh, some experience as uh, a lay minister and actually have served as a temporary minister here in South Dakota for uh, a church and took some training and in, in seminary to do that. Oh. I did that for a year and then we had to move on from that because of um, some family problems on my, my wife's mom. Her mm. health deteriorated quickly so we had to move back here. And so that program had to come to an end but I did serve a, a church in a small town in South Dakota as their um, Senate appointed minister okay. for, for a year. And it was, it was wonderful. It was a great opportunity, tremendous experience, learned an awful lot and so the, the church and, and serving God and being part of our church family um, has always played a tremendous part of my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So 
when you do that, um, <clears throat> do we like like from your background, right? Like from being a teacher and all that stuff. Do you feel that it was like kind of like kind of similar? Do you, do you feel like you were doing something similar that were or this was before even to be a a, a teacher? No, the, the center appointed minister role was at the end of my teaching career. Okay, I was going to transition into that, and that was going to be what I was going to do for the next several years till I retired again. Mm -hmm. And uh, my my skills from being in the classroom and being a school administrator and a sports official and all those things really helped me in that year of ministry. Mm. Because if you've been if you're in the people business, you get to know people and how to work with people, mm. all different kinds of people. Mm. And so all those skills really prepared me to step into that role and you know be I don't want to say be successful, but I I believe I was what they needed at that time, mm -hmm. that congregation, there's two congregations actually, and um, it, it really was a tremendous experience for me. Mm. Mm. That's, that's wonderful, and I'm sure, right, like, when you get on the business, uh, the people business, right, like, and you are, well, that seems like you're nosy, it's more, when you're in the <laughs> business of people, how, how you say, how are you saying it? Yeah, uh, the people uh, business. Yeah, 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 it seems like you're kind of nosy, but no, it's not that. Um, <laughs> You learned to different skills, right? Like being a good listener, I'm sure was like something that you needed to like learn a lot for those kids, right? When you right. were like a superintendent, you said, mm -hmm. um, how how that how that worked? Did you hear all kind of stuff? Do you do you uh, help these kids? Do you develop uh, with these kids a um, a close uh, relationship with them and stuff like that? Because I have heard. From our kids, right? From from our congregation, that they develop this like huge, like one on one um, relationship with like the band person or like with the coach or stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I can't imagine how many relationships with these kids you have, like you know, like during your years. It's funny you say band because that's what I taught. I was a band teacher for of the. 17 years or 16 years I was in the classroom I was a high school band teacher for 14 of those 16 years and you're with a lot of those kids for four years in a row and you work hard together you know, late nights playing at basketball games or traveling and stuff and you get to know them very well and a lot of them really come to know you and, and trust you and you develop relationships I mean I, I still hear from kids I taught you know in the beginning of my career and all all through the years they stay in touch and they they ask for advice or they want me to know you know what's going on in their family mm -hmm. and that kind of thing and and it's just marvelous mm -hmm. uh, when i was uh, the years that i was a principal you a lot of times you see some people think that oh a principal you only see the bad kids and you only see the bad stuff and and you have to do some of that but that was never what i was all about I was a very visible principal in the halls in the classroom and got to know as many kids as I could mm -hmm. and uh, still see some of those kids today and, and they will wave and hi and honk or something like that. And that's a beautiful thing because they don't have to do that. But when they choose to want to say hello and say, oh, do you remember me and that kind of thing, it's just so heartwarming because you know you made a difference. Mm -hmm. I've, I've had... Uh, kids or, or parents come up to me and say, you know, I remember what you said to my son here in this situation and it made a difference in his life. And some of them I remember, some of them I don't. Mm -hmm. But that role, you are always a mentor. 
you're always looking to find ways to help kids be the best they can mm -hmm. be. And their families and their parents. I had many parents come into my office when I was principal and, you know, let it all out. You know, what's going on with them, their family, their, you know, what's going on and ask for help. And so you're, you're in a spot where you can really, really dig deep and make a difference. Hmm. And so all those things that I did and was able to do has helped, have helped me in every career I've been in. Hmm. So from that transition, right, from teaching, being a superintendent, then you work for a congregation, you end up in human resources. <laughs> well, there were a few other stops along the way. Oh, along the way, yeah. all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we moved back to Rapid City because, um, as I mentioned, my, my wife's mom, uh, her health was starting to fail. She lived in Leeds, South Dakota. Mm. And so it was decided that she would move to Rapid City and move in with us. Mm -hmm. So we found a house and she moved in with us. And I was a car salesman for a few months at a local car dealership. Yeah. And that was fun and interesting and horrible, all packed together. Uh -huh. And But I, it was about five months or so. And then I got a job as a uh, counselor at a federal correctional facility here in Rapid City. Okay. And I did that for three years. Okay. And that was amazing. Okay. These, I worked with uh, all, they were all uh, convicted felons who were in the last three months to a year of their time. And they came to this facility here in Rapid City and uh, we worked with them to help them find a job, find a place to live, um, get ID cards, social security card, all the things they needed to transition back into society and not reoffend. That was mm. the goal, okay. to, to have them not reoffend and be a contributing member of society. Mm -hmm. And some of them wanted to do that. And you know, there, I have some great success stories. Mm -hmm. Some didn't, some didn't want anything to do with it. And so there were some harsh things, some scary yeah. things that happened, but uh, it was an amazing job. It was three years. And uh, when I left that job, I was, I was exhausted because you have to put so much of yourself into it mm -hmm. and you have to be on your guard so much Oh, because, like, well, yeah. some of these, you know, a lot of these people are lifelong criminals and they are very good at trying to exploit and get people to do things for them, for them. and twist things around. And mm. you just, you have to be on guard and as well as the physical part of it, you know, there were every now and then there were uh, altercations that took place. Uh, God had blessed me with six feet, four inches and uh, plenty of girth. So, uh, no one ever, uh, put a hand on me. Mm. A couple times it was close, but no one ever did. And I'm glad because mm. that's the last thing you ever want to have happen. Mm. But I had to step into a couple and break them up. So, uh, that was an amazing position. But again, all my people skills, all the experiences I had in my life prepared me to go into that gig and uh, be able to get to know some of these people and, and make a difference and help them figure out a better path. Mm -hmm. And so it was an amazing job. And mm -hmm. It was really something. Wow. And, and well, we're digging and digging and digging <laughs> really fast. And this is just like one of the questions like on, on, on this um, podcast is like where you find God during your day, right? And where did you find God during that day? Like, like during those hard times, you know, like, 
or like you're saying like you were all on all, all times on guard and, and it's just like you're you're always like maybe not afraid but like just like you just need to be alert of whatever is gonna happen though like do where was the time that you would like find god and like just ask for help or like you know sure well in in that position yes you're you're exactly right you had to be on your guard all the time and know you know if you're going to walk into a, a, a room for example there are bunk beds in there four four people would stay in there if you had to go in the room I mean, you just had to be ready and prepared and not come across as you know weak or wimpy or easily to manipulate mm -hmm. so yeah you had to be there and i there were many times where without the presence of god in that building things could have gone so many different ways mm. and i i prayed so often for for god's intervention in in that place and in the lives of some of these people yeah. because some of them did want to change mm -hmm. and needed the the courage and the strength to be able to do so to break out of that life they'd been living some of them you know absolutely didn't want to and it was it was evil and and you could see the work of the devil in, in them and things that they have done and things that they say and so it was the the quintessential good versus evil mm. in that place every day mm -hmm. and i felt i was there for a reason um being god's messenger in that yeah. place allowed me to bring some of that perhaps to people who have never were never exposed to it in my counseling sessions with these guys i would often quote scripture i would often ask them you know, if they, have they ever read the Bible? Do you know anything about the Bible? Mm -hmm. And we would have some, some good discussions about that. So I kind of tried to weave it in as I could because without a moral foundation, without some sort of firm foundation to build on, they had nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. You know, we all know the analogy, without a firm foundation, a house will collapse. So many of these folks had no moral compass. They would do what they wanted to do that made them happy with no care about the effect it had on others. Very sad. So my, part of my job was to help them find that moral compass. Mm -hmm. And then upon finding that, the decisions to do good or to do evil start becoming more clear. Maybe they don't make the right choice, but at least they can identify it and see that if I do this, here's how it hurts my family, or here's how it hurts me, or here's how it hurts whatever. Mm -hmm. And they start becoming more aware of it. And then they also see that good choices and moving forward and doing the right thing can have its own rewards. Mm -hmm. And so it was like working with, you know, we had people there as young as 21, 22 years old. We had people there in their 70s. But any time I worked with someone, it was kind of like we would reach almost a, a rebirth stage where we would get to a point where they would try to, I would hope they would rediscover themselves mm -hmm. and be able to start putting a new life together. Mm -hmm. Worked with some, not all, but we, we did have some good successes. And some that was like a foundation was God. Exactly. It's just, exactly. just amazing that like, that listen uh 
God's word sometimes can like change just like few words from a scripture can just like change the life of a person like this. Absolutely. You know? And I'm and I'm sure that like there's out not even just in the jail or you know in these centers that like there's people that are broken, right? Like outside in the world there's like people that need to hear that, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's just like I think sometimes we are afraid to just be that messenger, right? And and stop that person and like grab that person and be like, hey, let's talk about that. Let's let's see what God's God's think about this or you know, like God has like some words of like that is gonna make you feel good, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and and it's just like sometimes we're afraid to do that because what would be the reaction of these people, you know? I'm sure I don't know, like if you have reactions of like People like being like, I would like to know that, or and there will be other people like, I don't want to know anything about that. How, how was right. that? Well, we we definitely had both because some people wanted to learn, some pretended that they wanted to learn to try to you know manipulate mm. and that kind of thing. Some would say yes, they they wanted to know more so they could get a pass out of the building to go to church, and so you just had to be very careful as to how we moved forward. Mm. You know what what happened, but with that, but. You've got everything to gain and nothing to lose by putting the word out in front of them, mm -hmm. because then it's in God's hands. Mm -hmm. You know, we've we've brought them to it. I've, I've, I've talked talked them about, it, exposed them to something about God or love or forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is something most of these people know nothing about, because they've always they've lived a life that has been outside the law. And they've always had they've had to watch over their shoulder, you know, someone coming to get them. And so being forgiven and free and cleansed of that darkness is something I don't know if I should say all, but almost all of them have never experienced. Mm -hmm. And it frightens them mm -hmm. because they've lived this life for so long that changing to something else is scary. Especially when you talk about the freedom that forgiveness brings mm -hmm. and that you don't have to be worthy, that it's just by grace that we're saved. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you accept Jesus as your Savior and accept the grace and do that, you're forgiven and you have a new life. That's so powerful. It's hard for people like us to mm -hmm. understand and wrap our heads around. Mm. to talk with a 50-year-old felon who has been in prison most of, of his life, of his adult life, it's, it's just, it blows their mind. And so it was an, a fascinating process to try to weave that into their lives. Because in, in part of our counseling sessions, some of it was, was scripted and there are things we were supposed to talk about and that kind of thing. But then we would also freelance as we would go through it mm -hmm. based on each individual and that's where I would kind of try to address those things and some success and some failures but that's all all we could do is try but I'm sure there's something you know there was there will be a word a something that they can take with them like always right. you know maybe it's a failure to to our eyes but to the eyes of God there's, there's the beginning of something right mm -hmm. there so that's I'm sure Absolutely. you like I'm sure you did great <laughs> So, um, 
from uh, from this uh, during your date, right? Like you get stressed, you like are always on guard, like you like build up all these things on of feelings and things like that. What do you used to do after that? Like, it, it, what are your hobbies? What what will you like take stuff like out on? Well, I yeah, because at the end of the day, especially working there, I was I was mentally and emotionally exhausted mm. because you just had to do so stuff. Um, I love to golf. It's one of my favorite hobbies. Okay. I am in the top 5% of the worst golfers of the world, probably. <laughs> but I love to play. Uh -huh. It's so fun. I love to be out, like especially our, our church league golf, which sadly I can't do now because of my back surgery and things. But I, I just, I love the church league golf because everyone that plays is fun. It's not, you know, mean, nasty competition. Mm -hmm. it, we, it, we compete, but it's fun and it's friendly. And, and we laugh and we have a good time and we get to be outside and celebrate the, the beauty that God gives us in the golf course and with each other. And every now and then you even hit a good shot. Mm -hmm. So it, it's great fun and, and I love that. Um, making music is, is a huge thing for me. I'm, I was a band teacher, like I said, and I'm a musician, still am a musician, and uh, love making music. What instruments though? Saxophone was my major. Okay. And then I also played tuba and the drum set. Those are my three main ones. Just not at the same time. That would be a little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I would like to hear you play the saxophone. That would be amazing. I uh, I play in church off and on. You know, nothing since the pandemic started, of course. But I've I've played sax in church. I've played tuba in church. And uh, once I get healed up and well, I will. I'm very sure I'll do it again. I'm just wondering, there will be a coffee shop here. Can we make it like ah. a um, night of Bohemia with you? <laughs> like, I don't know. We'll, well see. That's certainly possible. Right? Let's, let, let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, I love to cook. I do most of the cooking at our house. Okay. I, I really enjoy cooking. Um, this may sound kind of strange, but this is my analogy. Cooking is kind of like mowing the lawn. No one really... No one yells at you if you do it because they don't want to do it. So okay. they're just happy that you're doing it and getting it done. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that makes so sense. So I love to cook. My, my dad was a, a good cook. My uncle made the best apple pies in the world. So there's a lot of cooking history in our family. Yeah. And so I grew up cooking and I, I just really love to cook. It's relaxing. Mm -hmm. It's therapeutic. I love taking all these things and then ending up with, you know, a wonderful end product yeah, yeah and my wife Marcy she's a great sous chef <laughs> she you know she will chop stuff up for me or you know help me yeah. right? and then this is the best part she loves to do the cleanup so I come into the kitchen I do my thing she takes care of washing the dishes and everything perfect so, great team yeah yeah right? so that is very very therapeutic for me and then traveling we love to travel uh, go to Major League Baseball games, that's great fun for us. Mm. Dinner theaters, we love doing those. So so those are the things that help refill my cup. Mm -hmm. And I knew I always loved those things, but like with church especially. This place, this South Canyon Lutheran Church, is so important to me and means so much to me. Mm. Because everything that my cup needed to be filled, I could get here. Hmm. Before the pandemic, on Wednesday nights, I'd come rolling in after work, you know, 
frustrated, tired, whatever. Mm -hmm. And come in, go downstairs, have a great meal. And I, always, I usually sat with the same group of, of, of people. And it, it was most of the people in Joyful Noise. Um, Myron Hofer, may he rest in peace, mm. and, and some of the other people. And we had so much fun. We would talk and laugh and just have the best time. And then we would go upstairs for the service at 6. Mm. And then we had joyful noise practice, which was great fun. And then go upstairs for choir practice. Mm -hmm. And so I'd get to church 5.15 or so, leave around 9 o'clock. And those four hours just like standing at a gas pump and filled me back up. And I would leave here refreshed and filled with the spirit and, and ready to go. Yeah. That just, I, it meant so much to me then. And then when we lost all of that, I really, like many others, realized how much I missed it. Mm -hmm. And now what do I do? You know, now how do I repair myself mm -hmm. and how do I get that same thing without it mm -hmm. and so that was hard it was hard on all of us but that that was hard and so now that we are, are getting back to doing things you know our, our church choir here oh, Ellen Shirley bless her heart we uh, when we were we'd be practicing upstairs and we'd all be up there and here's this this choir loft full of adults um, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 year old adults. And we get up there and it's like we all regress to like a seventh grade choir. And we talk and we laugh and we giggle and you know we're, we're teasing the girls and the guys are messing around. And it's unbelievable that we're having all this fun because everybody just comes in and kind of lets their guard down and soaks it all in and, and loves it. Yeah. And Ellen is so good about letting us have a little of that time but then you know we know when it's time to work and practice and get on task too. Yeah. so she's just wonderful and having that experience in choir is just tremendous absolutely yeah. tremendous yeah. love it that's that's great yeah it's just like it's so um wonderful to think what like what you can get from the community from your church community right mm -hmm. like i think like like you said, like we being when pandemic took this from us, right? A lot of like people like lost like their main community, like you know, like and they it just was hard on, on on all of us and it was I think at the same time was a a time to reconnect in a different way with God. Mm -hmm. Right? A more quiet time uh, one on one conversation with God, like you know, like it, it just hard. Like I, it just was hard. Um, so Pat, you, you just, you just wonderful, wonderful person. You have helped a lot of people. You have um, changed lives. There's still people that remember uh, what you did for them. Uh, so much that you don't even remember what you did for them. You know, like you helped so much many people that like, I mean, it's just wonderful to hear those stories. But like, is there a time that you were impacted by someone else? Like, is there something like that that happened to you that helped you to like, be like, I want to help the people to be the best they can be. Like, is there some like something like that? Well, yeah, th there really is. Uh, when I was 
in high school, uh, our my, my parents got divorced my senior year of high school. Mm. In December of my senior year of high school, it was it was hard. It was tragic. It was so the the years leading up to that, there was problems and it was and it was bad. Um, alcohol and drug use by my older brothers, and my dad was an alcoholic, and my home was not a good place to be. Mm. So I immersed myself in um, school in academics, in activities, in music, in sports, anything I could do to avoid being home. Mm -hmm. Because it was, it was not a good place to be. It wasn't a very safe place to be. Um, it, was, it was just a bad place to be mm. for those reasons. And so I go along the way being involved in band and I was an, an athlete at that time. Um, I got to know coaches and, and teachers and that kind of thing. And was just blessed to have so many great adults come into my life mm -hmm. and reach out to me and help me. Mm -hmm. And you know, they saw that I was struggling. And so they were there to help me through the hard stuff and the hard times. Get a little emotional here. And so as I grew and finished high school and then went on to college, I knew at that point the role that I knew I wanted to be a teacher. Mm. That was something I always wanted to be. I didn't know what I wanted to teach. But I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And so I saw the role of the, the caring adult in the young person's life. It was huge. Mm -hmm. I saw what those people did for me and helped me through and helped me become something better than I ever thought I could be. Because... Mm -hmm. Nothing special about Pat Jones. I'm just a guy. But the way they helped me and helped me through it and helped me have tremendous, wonderful experiences, mm -hmm. you know, I can never thank them enough. So when I made the decision to become a teacher, I told myself, I have to pay back the system. I have to do for my future students what these wonderful adults did for me. Mm-hmm. And as I was going through college and you know, teacher training, getting ready to, to go, and even when I started teaching, I reached out to some of these people and said, ah, help, yeah. what am I doing? Did I do the right thing? And you know, they still were just as gracious and caring and helpful then as they were when I was in their classroom mm. or playing in their band or on the basketball court. Mm. So that role continued to be affirmed for me. And so that is what impacted me to take on the mission of helping people become the best they can be. Because without them, I don't know what would have become of me. Yeah. You know, I, who knows? I don't like to think about what that might have turned out to be. So I am eternally thankful to them. And every day I try to pay the system back a little bit. And, and even, even, it's still going on because last spring you were the mentor of this this kid, right? Mm -hmm. That is exploring his faith and what what he questioned about God, what he in 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 I cannot believe like how what how you were with him. I, I just like saw wonderful things and be part of that, and I I, I really 
I'm talking from me, but also I'm sure from other people that saw that that like you did great, man, and we we're we're <laughs> gracious that you were that mentor, and you're not the mentor specifically of that person, but just to see kids that came to you and things like that, it's just we thank you for that. Well, thank you. It, it was fun and wonderful, and you know we we still text each other and, and talk and, and do things as as I, I hope we will continue to mm -hmm. do for years. Yeah, because I want to be there for him for whatever he needs me yeah. to be. Yeah. And I like to send him little, you know, words of encouragement and advice and that kind of thing and and he appreciates it and his parents appreciate it. So, mm -hmm. it's a good thing. It really is. And as church and 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 this is my personal opinion, right? I believe that yes, well, I'm the youth director, right? A title, but it's not just my job. Right? Oh, right. It's the job of the congregation to help these future generations to be the best that they can be, yeah. right? You know, there's, there's the old saying, it takes a village to raise a child. And now more than ever, that's true. Because the, the battle between good and evil has never been more defined than it is now. Mm -hmm. it, you know, there, there's, there's, there isn't much middle ground. Yeah, there's not a lot of gray area yet, no. you're right. And so to make a commitment, and none of us are perfect, and you know, we all are sinners, and Pat Jones could top the list because I have many failures and, and things in my life that I'm certainly not proud of. But in order for us now, we have to help our kids and our, our congregation, but our kids... To see that, that there there is a difference, and the battle is raging, mm -hmm. and we have to be prepared to fight that battle every day, and know that we will win the war in the end. Mm -hmm. But we have to fight the battle every day now, mm -hmm. and give them the tools they need, and provide them the the places like this, and also the 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 not the schooling but the knowledge. To take with them when they leave these doors. Yeah. You know, that God loves them. Yeah. And that they're saved by grace. And to to embrace that every day. Yeah. And and help that grow. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't say it better. <laughs> it's just it's just amazing. Um so now let's move a little bit more about you. Right. There's this 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 question specifically made for like the people that come here that I'm gonna just give it to you and you will pick what you wanna be wanna okay. talk about, right? Alright. So uh, you pick three of these five and uh the first one is what is something that you know for sure? Well I know for sure, without doubt or hesitation, that God loves me. He created me, he has a plan for me. I don't always know what it is. I may not always agree with it, mm -hmm. but he has a plan for me, for my life, from when I was born to when I take my last breath, that he has a plan for me. And the more I let go of me and embrace that plan, the better I will be. But that is the daily struggle. But I know that. I know that through the blood of Jesus, My sins are forgiven, mm -hmm. and by grace I'm saved. And in this tumultuous, troubled world today, I can say that for sure, without hesitation, and know that it's real and it's true. And that's a blessing. Wow. 
how long it took you to be so sure of that answer. To know that you're saved by grace and forgiven. It took you a lot of, a long time? A long time. It took a long time. And there are days, you know, when you kind of wonder about that and, and you maybe even you doubt it. But I, at this point of my life, through the wonderful things that have happened in my life and through the sad, horrible things that have happened in my life, I think those milestones take you a step closer to that. At least that's been the case for me. Mm. When they're, either, you know, in triumph for tragedy, I've grown closer to God. And so now, because I've had a lot of both, a lot of triumphs, a lot of tragedies, I am more sure of that than I ever have been. Because it's, you don't get the, the triumphs and the wonderful things and the celebrations in your life without it being part of God's plan. Mm -hmm. And the, the troubles and the tribulations and the, and the other things that happen, happen for a reason, for, mm -hmm. you to, for you to grow and become stronger. Mm -hmm. Perhaps see the error of your ways or perhaps remove yourself from a situation. Mm -hmm. that helps you become better. So all of those things, for me, have brought me closer to God. Mm -hmm. And so that level of, of, of surety is rock solid. Wow. And Pat, from there, we're, let's jump to the next question. That okay. is, for what you feel the most grateful? I am extremely grateful for my family, my wife Marcy and my daughter Felicia. Um, Almost everyone on my side of the family has passed away. Okay. I'm the only Jones left. So, um, so Marcy's family and you know my own family with Marcy and Felicia, um, you know, they just mean the world to me. Mm -hmm. um, my friends, people who I consider to be close, good friends, I'm very grateful for them. I'm grateful for this church. Every church that I've been at over the years has meant a great deal to me. But this place, and maybe it's just because of the time of my life when we arrived here, career change, move, all those kinds of things, this place has just been incredible for me. As I mentioned earlier, f filling my cup, mm -hmm. being involved. I love when we had assisted minist assisting ministers. Serving in that role meant the world to me. Mm -hmm. They even ordered me a gown, or you know, the long white robe. Mm -hmm. There are various sizes back there, and this is hilarious. I mean, you can take it hilarious or whatever, but there's small, there's medium, there's large, and then mine, they just wrote Jones on it. <laughs> Love it. So no one else wears mine, right? Uh -huh. So, you know, I, that role, serving in that role, I love it. It's tremendous for me. Uh -huh. Assisting with communion just means the world to me. Yeah. Um, singing, reading. Any, anything, making, making the music. This place is just means so much to me, and I'm so grateful for that. So I'm, those, I'm grateful for those things. Um, good times, bad times, those things have been consistent. Mm -hmm. My wife, Marcy, we've, it'll, let's see, it'll be 31 years in August that we've been married. That's a long time. And, you know, as, as a lot of marriages do, you know, there's good times and there's bad times mm -hmm. and hard times and wonderful times. And, um, you know, she's just, she's been just rock solid. 
in a lot of relationships, there's one person, a lot of times who's kind of, you know, the quiet person and just does things behind the scenes. And then there's the ah, person, you know. Well, in our relationship, it's not hard to figure out who's who. Yeah. But um, I couldn't do a lot of the things I've done, the successes I've had and the journeys and adventures I've had without her being supportive to me. Mm -hmm. And Felicia, that's our daughter as well. But, um, you know, she's just been there for everything. And she always reminds me, all the time. And I don't listen enough, but she always reminds me, she says, no matter what, we're in this thing together. Wow. Yeah. With this recent surgery I had, you know, I needed a lot of help. I couldn't put my socks on. Um, you know, I can't bend over very much right now until everything heals. And, you know, I have to use the walker so I can't really do any cooking right now. Just a lot of things. And it gets to bother me because I want to do my part. And she says, hey, you do the same thing for me, wouldn't you? I mm -hmm. said, well, of course I would. Mm -hmm. She says, okay, well then, you know, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. We're in this thing together. So those things I am very, very grateful for. And um, thank God every day for them. Yeah. Because they are things I need. They are things that um, I don't know what I'd do without them. Mm-hmm. Before we leave, Pat, one more, one more thing. All these uh, success, successes, failures, experiences, people that you have met, right? All, all your story, right? If we go back in time, right? Do you think younger <laughs> you would be happy with what you have become? <laughs> I think younger me would be shocked that I made it this far. Okay. Because of everything that I went through up until age 18 mm -hmm. in, in the home I grew up in, the, uh, the, the challenges of being a large person, mm -hmm. it's not easy in life, and I've gained weight and lost weight and gained weight and lost weight. And it's, you know, it, it's a difficult challenge, mm -hmm. and it's hard to go through life that way. Most people, you know, don't, don't care. They don't make a big deal about it. Some people are very mean about it and say nasty mm. things. So, so that struggle. I've um, kind of beat up my body a lot from 33 years of refereeing football, running up and down the football field, or then, then basketball. Mm. But, you know, it's all things that I just have loved to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think younger me would be shocked, pleasantly shocked. Okay. Pleasantly shocked and surprised and happy for me that um, I've accomplished what I've done and I made it this far. If you could say something to younger you, what could it, what would it be? Hang in there. You're going to make it. Wow. I'm sure just, to you that means a lot, but I'm sure for people that will see this, those <laughs> words are going to impact. Thank you so much for being here today, man. My pleasure. Thank we, you for having me. We love you. We love to have you back, right? <laughs> we miss you at church. <laughs> We're glad you're back. We're yes. happy that you're healing. Right? Right. And you know that whatever you need, like you count with us and with this congregation. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys, for watching us and see you next time.